0: it's the message, I think, to any young person, gay, straight, whatever, to, to be loved for who you are, and not to be afraid if someone's different, because it's those differences that make up the, may I say, the rainbow of the world. Hello,
1: it's Donnie here from Pastoral Formation Diocese of Parramatta. Welcome to another episode of the Soul Food Podcast sharing life-giving conversations and stories that nourish the soul. You know those meals that you never want to end because it was such a good feed? That's the feeling people's stories give us. And that's the sort of response we want you to experience after you listen to this episode. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Soul Food Podcast. It's my absolute delight to introduce our guest today, Paul Harris. Paul is a parishioner in our diocese, in fact, and he's from Blackheath Parish. He serves there as part of the the Pastoral Council in the parish, and he also happens to be a member of the Diocesan Pastoral Council, which is an advisory body and consultative group to Bishop Vincent uh, for the vision of the diocese. Uh, Paul has had an extensive background in adult faith formation or adult education for over two decades now, um, and that experience he brings to this conversation. So welcome, Paul.
0: Hello. Hi, Donnie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> good to have you in this space. Thank you. Um, How are you feeling, mate?
0: I'm feeling um, oh, a little bit nervous, actually, <laughs> yep. about our uh, conversation, but uh, that's all good. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: one of the ways in which we like to begin these podcasts, Paul, is we like to ask a food question, uh, mm-hmm. being the Soul Food Podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder if we could put an interesting twist on it and and sort of explore if there is a food story that comes to mind that, that captures some of your um, core um Your core spirituality, a food story that taps into a bit of who you are and the spirituality that you try and live by
0: Well, I think <clears throat> um, being up here in the mountains uh, people love uh, the Sunday roast uh, the, the 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 um the gravy and the uh, the pork crackling, if if you like, um, during the middle of winter with the fire going and uh, all that. So I think for me, uh, being up here, the Sunday pork roast would be my uh, go-to soul food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And
1: when you eat that food or you share that with others, what comes to mind in terms of uh, a bit of your story that's that's revealed through that that pork roast? Well, I think.
0: You know, family would be first and foremost and and <laughs> gathering around the table, you know. Um, it's such a great, well, it's not even a metaphor, is it, but it's a great symbol of, of community, of family, mm-hmm. of... And I'm even just thinking about our Eucharistic table. Mm-hmm. Um, so much happens around the table. Um, conversation, um, just the day-to-day, the, mundan- the mundane, the controversial... Um, the spiritual. Um, and one of the things that <clears throat> table for me, especially we use this a lot in, in my work, um, is that a table everyone's equal, you know, um, everyone sits at eye level, mm-hmm. um, no matter how tall or small you are or short, you know, um, young or old, um, by sitting around the table is, is something that's quite um, uh, welcoming um that sense of community, but also I think that whole level of acceptance too mm. uh and and that to me if I go into a bit of a spiritual side of things and and through my through my work um that sort of sense that um you know Jesus said, <laughs> all are welcome, you know um and this is one of the the things that really um I guess attracts me um to being a part of the diocesan pastoral council or even the parish council is is bishop vincent's um you know his his vision for the diocese and he's constantly talking about being a place of welcome being a place of inclusion um being a place where um hurts are healed mm. um but and and sadly um there's a lot of people who feel very excluded um uh from our table and that that's something that um um we're, tr troubles me um because you know I, I have felt excluded from the table um over the years um still to 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 do i'm um, still do to a point mm. um uh but uh that whole sense that you know um of of table <laughs> is what really um i think um symbolizes that whole sense of what our church is 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 about mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. In our
0: podcast conversation with Paul today, uh, he'll be touching on some
1: themes that may prompt some of your own mental health journey. Um, and so we invite you to make use of the links below as places where you can find some accompaniment uh, for your own story as well. Um, Paul, for those who don't know you, uh, they might hear the term, you know, you're working in adult formation as a bit of an interesting and, and um, unique uh, professional background. I wonder if you could trace for us um a bit of your own background story and, and why life and faith is so important for you.
0: Oh look that's a a great question and, and and look it's something that I do I do uh like to talk about, I guess, because um my my story I, I look, um I as a gay person, um every gay person and when I say gay person I'm talking as a male you know there's you know the whole LGBTQI plus a acronym that's often used Um, so I can only talk from my perspective Uh, but you know everyone has that story of coming out you know Uh, and for some people it's long others you know they're sort of outed by other people Mm. others it takes them a lifetime others remain um they use the term closeted you know um for again for lots of different reasons and i'm not there's no judgment on anyone on this kind of um spectrum um but you know for me um it was a long journey and i guess traumatic only from the in a in a way that um you know you're always struggling um my very first memory of of knowing that there was something different about me um, was when i was i must have been seven years old mm-hmm. and i was down at the park with um a neighborhood um a neighbor um, a boy who was probably a couple of years older than me so he was nine or ten or something and we we're playing amongst some trees that had fallen down and another one of his mates uh came over and started playing with and he and He had a. All I can remember from this other boy was his nice haircut. He had Mm -hmm. um, a nice haircut, and there's something about that which I I noticed. But my friend called him, and I'm going to use a uh, a word here that um, hopefully isn't too offensive to people, Mm -hmm. but called him a Mm pufter. And I'd never heard that term before, but as a seven-year-old, I knew straight away how it was said and what it was intending because of his nice haircut. that you didn't want to be called this. Mm. And, you know, so right from that young age, um, and I didn't know why, but that word had stuck with me and that memory had stuck with me all my life. Um, And so, you know, through adolescence, um, you know, I didn't have any girlfriends. Uh, I guess I went to an all-boys school and I I, I suppose I found my own peers attractive, if you like, but never certainly... um, Acted on, on those sorts of feelings again because, you know, boys' school, you know, oh, boys didn't do that. And, mm. and there was a lot of homophobia, of course. Mm. And, you know, in my early, late teens, early 20s, uh, you know, uh, gay men were being murdered in Sydney. They were being thrown off cliffs, you know, literally. Um, so, and that was when I was starting to question myself. So, all this is going on. Um, and, you're, you as a young person who's developing, you know, their identity and trying to work things out, you know, trying to fit certain stereotypes and roles and why haven't you got a girlfriend? Um, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, and then, you know, when you hear you know, that language from the church, I suppose, that um, um, you've got to be this and you've got to be that, and if you do this, you're going to hell, again, all that, all that language that is, is used, um, it, it sticks. And it's and it's very it's very as I said traumatic. I guess it wasn't until I was in my mid twenties when I just I hated myself. You know, um, I was deeply, deeply um, uh, not depressed, but I I hated myself because I hated what was happening inside of me and I didn't know what to do Mm. because I couldn't talk to anyone because of all the, you know, the negative language and the, and, and maybe in some ways that was in my head too. Um, so I, I I left the country. Mm. (laughs) I went overseas. Um, I thought I've got to get away from who I am, who, who I've built myself up to be and really discover myself. And, and at that stage I kind of, you know, was thinking I might be gay. Um, but, um, still, I guess, struggled uh, with that. But I remember one night I was, um, I was walking home from a party and, uh, and I just stopped um, and looked at my reflection in, in a shop window. Mm. And um, it was interesting because when you look at yourself in a mirror, you are reflected back. But when you look at yourself, say, in a, in a, through a shop window... You actually can see your reflection but you you see right through yourself um and it was that moment that light bulb moment that some people say where because I'd been thinking about um, about uh, myself and at this party this girl more or less came onto to me sort of thing mm-hmm. and I I, I I left the party mm-hmm. um and I thought to myself, why did I do that why didn't I um why didn't i take up this opportunity with this with this um with this girl and i looked at myself in this reflection and i remember looking through myself and asking myself this question and it came back that i just wasn't sexually attracted to women mm. and that was that light bulb moment that my whole life just fell into place you know everything right back to that moment as a 7 year old boy when i heard that word that made perfect sense Mm. everything throughout my life um those struggles made perfect sense and and this the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders it was it was just one of those extraordinary things and but then the next task was to you know to um reveal that to my family and friends which um was was very um challenging because again you've greatest fear was of, of um, the fear of rejection from the people who you love the most and who, who hopefully loves you the most. Not that I, um, I knew I wouldn't be rejected by my family and in, indeed I was com- completely embraced um, by my family and friends and, and, and you know to this day still. Um, I guess you know I have had always had a strong faith and that's another long story I suppose.
1: It sounds like from you know that, that sort of quick summary, which doesn't do your story justice, the way that you traced um, you know, some of those uh, key steps in your journey so far, it sounds like you've carried for the best part of two decades um, a lot of that, that hurt and a lot of that tension within as well um, until that shop front moment. Um, I, I love that language you put there where things sort of fell into place and, and things started integrating a bit more for yourself there, but it didn't stop at that point. Um, so I just wonder um, if you could trace back uh, in a similar way, what was it about the faith experience that accompanied you while you were feeling all that weight for those first 20 years? Um, what kind of things were helpful and wholesome um, for you um, as you, as you leaned into and from what I hear that you, you held to a sort of um, uh, a faith lens and a faith practice, a faith way of living. What are some of those key things in those first 20 years that you thought you know that's that's who i identify with or that's what i identify with
0: to be honest with you i don't know mm. <laughs> um i can tell you uh I, I guess i can all i can tell you is is a story again mm. <laughs> um and you know um you can make sense of it or not um but obviously you know growing up catholic family um, you know go to church um altar boy uh taught by the nuns and the brothers i suppose um uh, uh, going to, yeah I, I guess I had um, I, it can only be described as a, one of those transformation experiences when I was 15 my one of my brothers was born and I'm the eldest of nine fam nine oh wow <laughs> nine okay. um so I was about 15 and he was born and he was he was born with um defective heart and this little baby was rushed, you know, before he was even 24 hours old, was rushed into the children's hospital, and they all thought he was going to die. And you know, through uh, oh, I'm getting emotional, <laughs> that was 35 years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and it still, uh, it still brings up uh, deep um, pain in some ways. But, um, but anyway, so through, and this is this is true, right? Our because the parish community that um, I belong to. Um, just got behind our family and, and everyone was praying and it, it was absolutely a miracle that Andrew even the doctors said it was a miracle that he he lived more than a few days and anyway he he um had operations throughout his young life and um but sadly he passed away when he was five mm. just again his heart just um and this this is back in the early early 80s um so the technology was not as, as it is today Um, But through through all that time, you know, um, somehow I just developed a very strong relationship with God. You know, I prayed a lot for for Andrew (sighs) and um, cried a lot, as I'm doing right now, which is again I haven't done this for a long time. Mm. Um, um, And so I I, and. and, and post and during school you know, school retreats, and I was involved in Antioch um, for a number of years. And my my faith really, um, I really got into my my faith, um, and the the experience. That's what I'm trying to say. The experience of of God um, in my life. I I got through through prayer, through um, the people I was with, um, and uh, and that has stayed with me all my life. Um, So, you know, I I pray often (laughs) throughout the day. It's not necessarily, you know, down on my hands and down on my knees saying lots of Our Fathers and things like that. I have, I think, a a good contemplative way of prayer. I I have a beautiful garden here. I love going out into nature. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love reading uh, the scripture. Uh, And I certainly... Uh, love uh, reading um, spiritual writers, I suppose, uh, and and uh, and things like that. So,
1: no, I'd have to say, Paul, first and foremost, um, thank you for sharing that story with us, um, and that tender, tender, experience with your your youngest younger brother, mm. um, Andrew. Um, that's a real privilege of, to be able to hear that in this space, um, and I think it does it does name something there where. Um, for me anyway it's it's a sense that, that god with you even in something that that seems a bit you know um uh painful and i would even say um that seems to be lacking hope that there is that that sense that you recognize something there and that's not meant to bypass the hurt of all of that and and um you know andrew's passing but yeah for whatever reason you you sense something there so that's what i was hearing in that story mm. um if, if anything, I, I wonder how has that then influenced the way you, you hold other people's stories? Um, how has that shaped you?
0: Uh, look, I think, and this is, you know, interesting <laughs> conversation where we are in this space here, you know, when you sit down and you, you start talking to someone um, and you hear stories, you, you never really understand a person until you give them that time. Uh, until you, until you listen to where they've come from, um, those those experiences, and I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories because there's there's so much, you know, there is so much to learn about people, um, and and realize that, that there are people very different to you who have had different experiences, and and who and to use a wonderful quote from Pope Francis that has a, a you know a a, con- a connection to my life. Um, Who am I to judge? Mm. (laughs) What's it meant for
1: you, Paul, for uh, someone like Pope Francis to say that on the world stage? What's that meant for you?
0: Oh, look, I cannot tell you how extraordinarily um, miraculous, you know, a gift Pope Francis is to our church. Um, The fact that he addresses the elephant in the room um, for so many people, and that's uh, addressing, you know. uh, the difficulties of uh, of gay, and lesbian people, the the, the LGBTQI plus a people, um, he he meet, he's met with families who have got gay children, and, and he said, God loves your children, God accepts your children, he God has made your children as they as they are, um, which means to me, I'm hearing that saying that God made me as I am, I am good, mm. you know. Um, uh, made in the image and likeness of God, you know, uh, all that. Um, the fact that he speaks to um, gay and lesbian people, transgender people and affirms them as human beings, you know, the dignity of the individual. Uh, he gives me and has given me great hope um, because he started conversations that just weren't happening. Mm-hmm. I think this synodal process is, is a gift for the church. Even our plenary council that we've just had um, has certainly opened uh, doors and windows, even if it's just slightly, but, it, mm-hmm. but more so, it's been quite extraordinary. <laughs> Bishop Vincent, as well, uh, is a person who I truly admire. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, every homily, if not, you know, he's constantly talking about um, being welcoming and inclusive and going to the margins. Uh, he, you know, he says that in his in all his statements, um, and he's also a person who's not afraid to mention gay and lesbian people because he knows the hurt he knows the difficulties uh, that we, people like me, have with the church and and have with their families because there are many many beautiful families, many faith-filled and and religious families out there, Catholic families who sadly reject their children, reject their brothers, reject their um, sisters and And aunties and uncles because they might be gay or lesbian or or something and that's really really sad Um, and it shouldn't be like that and um, people like Pope Francis uh, Bishop Vincent and 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 there are other people who you know um, uh, in our church who are using language that is very helpful or is yeah is is helpful um, to people like me to stay connected, um, because, you know, we have dignity. We have, uh, that whole, as I said, you know, um, made in the image and likeness of God. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah.
1: And I, I really
0: appreciate this conversation, Paul, in that
1: it's, it's widening my horizon Mm. and what I, I know and how I see the world. Um, And in fact, a bit of my background, I come from a culturally Filipino context, which Mm. which makes us, you know, 99% Christian in upbringing. Mm. Um, And, you know, totally, maybe totally different context to to yours or maybe some common ground there. Um, At a certain point in my life or a few times now, I've wondered, you know, why do I stay um, and some people have expressed it this way as they've accompanied me, you know, the freedom to go is also the freedom to stay. Mm. How do you connect with that, you know, given that um, there's your horizon and how you've experienced life in church? Uh, your freedom to, to go is also your freedom to stay. Why mm. do you stay in the church the way you do?
0: I've asked myself that <laughs> many times. And, um, uh, and I'll, I'll say again, Pope Francis was, has been instrumental in that because it gives me certainly gives me hope you know um and there's a lot of people like me who are faith-filled people you know faith-filled people who love jesus who love god who who has um uh you know that great connection and that's to me what keeps me i think you know you know um I, i that sense of community aspect of church I mean I often say this that that many people th- have thrown the baby out with the bathwater mm. you know um, they've they don't necessarily or they don't accept certain church teachings or parts of things and, and I think most of us struggle with a with all of that um, you know and, and I'm not going to be specific about anything in particular but but you know p- um, people see often the church as a a list of rules, do's and don'ts, and if you don't fit this, you're out, you know. Um, and so because they reject church, and let's face it, look at the statistics, mm. you know, that the recent statistics, people are ticking no religion because they're rejecting, not just the Catholic, they're rejecting church, that whole institution, um, because they feel it's not relevant to their lives, you know. So by rejecting the institution, they they they're throwing out you know as I said the baby with the bathwater they're rejecting God if you like or their relationship with God and that to me is is the greatest sadness you know hmm. um, so um, what what keeps me is <laughs> is is hope um, and I and that's the people the people I meet in church generally are very welcoming supportive. They love me because of who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't put a label on on me, um, and so I feel welcomed. I feel accepted. I feel valued by the people in my community. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've met um, clergy, priests, and and brothers, brothers and nuns who, who you know, we talk about what we're talking about, and I don't feel any. Any sort of stigma or any anything, although, and there are times when the opposite has happened as well. And you know, I'm, I'm talking to someone. I know, oh, this person, you know, doesn't accept me, doesn't mm. accept this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that's really tricky. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're kind of walking this almost this this tightrope. You know, um, you're always going to be on your guard. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, there's lots of people who. Um, who work in Catholic institutions, schools, and the diocese, even um, who are like me, mm-hmm. um, but may not be as open as I am, like I am with you and the listeners today. Mm-hmm. And it's and when I said earlier, I was very nervous about the conversation. This is I'm being very vulnerable here, yeah. um, and I'm very aware of that. But I think this is a really important conversation to have, which is. Which is why I'm I'm doing this. <laughs> people there there are people who can't be out if you like, and that's that's okay. But that shouldn't be the case. Mm. If we are truly a church that is meant to be welcoming, and like Jesus said, inclusive, mm-hmm. going out to those on the margins, those who feel hurt or or whatever it might be, you know. That, that shouldn't be happening mm-hmm. you know um, but it is and that's the reality but still we, we need to work harder at being places of welcoming um, explicitly yeah you know yeah. Um, so for me going back again long story um, what keeps me is is the people yeah you know is is the people who accept me um, but it's very hard when there are people who don't accept and that's that's when you want to sort of go you know what why bother? Mm. You know I'm just gonna join the many thousands of millions of people who have, who have rejected church, um, especially if they're you know gay and lesbian and just walk away. But mm. at the moment,' <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still there. Yeah
1: Well, a Thanksgiving for two things at this point, um, Paul, um, if we can sort of pause the conversation a little bit, um, the first one acknowledging the fact that you're being vulnerable in this space. I mean, what a great gift that is um, for me as, as someone who's sharing this conversation with you. And I hope, I genuinely hope that those who are listening, that that can be a gift for you too. Uh, the power of hearing someone else's story and to be able to say, I know that for myself as well. Um, so I think that's that's something that needs to be acknowledged and, and more so. Uh, so thank you, Paul, for, for sharing that. Thanks. Um, and just your, your other piece there um, about, um, you know, if if people are feeling reluctant about stepping forward. Then, that's that's not worthy of the church. If, if that's the culture that we're um sort of creating, um it reminded me of a theologian M. Sean Copeland in the states who talked about you know if a certain brother or sister is missing from the table, um then you know something's missing from what we say we are as church. Mm-hmm. So thank you for connecting some of those things um uh, mm-hmm. for me um in this space, landing back in in parish land if you will um as we close this podcast. Uh, you've said several things on this theme already. Um, But what would you hope uh, your highest ideals, what would you hope uh, a newcomer would experience in an average parish in the Diocese of Parramatta from first yourself and from the wider community?
0: What do you hope a newcomer experiences? I hope a newcomer does experience welcome, which means they get to that door and they're known by name. That someone says, hello, welcome, come in mm-hmm. you know not just to to walk in and sit down do the business and then leave yeah. without saying hello to anyone yeah. i think if we are a true community if we are to be the church that christ is calling us to be then we need to get out of our comfort zones sometimes park our own judgments mm-hmm. our own way our own thinking of how things should be and to welcome people explicitly Mm -hmm. you know by name and that could be you know as i said having little signs and symbols or or words but welcoming people by name Mm -hmm. who they are Mm -hmm. that's what i hope um our community really strives to be if you could
1: take the wisdom of your years um, and you know re-meet yourself uh, as, as a young person a teenager and you were to walk with that that young version of yourself what is that shape of that accompaniment what does that look like what would oh, wow. you say what would you do <laughs> oh,
0: that's a it's that's a, that's a tough one actually hmm. um, yeah that's a really that's a really tough one um, because you know I could I can only put myself in today's context I suppose um, mm. and it's and, and it's the message I think to any young person gay straight whatever um, to to be loved for who you are mm. you know and I and I think we, we all not we all maybe some people don't but I, I'm pretty sure everyone needs to know that you know mm. needs to know that you are loved for who you are unconditionally Warts and all, mm. um, and that, yeah, yeah, that's 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 the the strongest message, and not to be afraid if someone's different, yeah, because it's those differences that make up the, may I say, the rainbow of the world, mm-hmm. you know, the colors, you know, we, I mean, of course, there's the scripture from Saint Paul that, yeah, we all. All parts, many parts, one body. Mm -hmm. We've all got gifts and talents. We're all not the same. So, not to be afraid of difference. And, you know, to, yeah, and to embrace that diversity, embrace the giftedness of what a person is, who he or she is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what any parent would want for their children, is to feel loved. And I I know as, God, as the ultimate parent, you know, wants us to be full of life, have it abundantly, to prosper, to flourish, you know. Mm. Um, That's what we all want for our people. Mm.
1: We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Soul Food Podcast. Don't forget to like and follow us on Spotify or on your preferred listening platform. This podcast is produced by Pastoral Formation Mission Enhancement Team in the Diocese of Parramatta. All relevant links will be provided in the description below. See you at our next meal on the Soul Food Podcast.